Support for today's podcast comes from Helix. For the past couple of months, the Hubs and I have been on the hunt for a new mattress. He's someone who has to read tons of reviews before making a purchase, and I'm someone who gets totally overwhelmed by too many choices. With the number of mattress choices out there, it's no wonder we hadn't made much progress. And then, enter Helix. The thing I loved most about the ordering process is that we were able to take a two-minute quiz that matches your body type and sleep preference to the perfect mattress for you. Ordering was very easy and delivery was way faster than I expected. I'm most enjoying that the mattress is super comfy and sleeps way cooler than the one we had before. So if you're looking for an upgrade to the way you sleep, I'd encourage you to check out Helix for a mattress shipped straight to your door with free, no-contact delivery, completely free returns, and a 100-night sleep trial. And just for y'all, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows at helixsleep.com slash therapy for black girls. Just go to helixsleep.com slash therapy for black girls, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. Now let's jump into the show. Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 151 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Finally, the moment that many of us have been waiting for has arrived. Insecure is back for season four, and right out of the gate, they're already giving us tons to talk about. So, of course, I had to grab my friend and colleague, Dr. Donna Oriowo, to chat all about what we saw in the season premiere. Dr. Oriowo is an author international speaker, and certified sex and relationship therapist in the Washington, D.C. metro area. The owner of Anod Wright, Dr. Donna specializes in working with Black women on issues related to colorism and texturism and its impact on mental and sexual health. She's the author of Cocoa Butter and Hair Grease, A Self-Love Journey Through Hair and Skin. She's an advocate for sexual freedom, self-love, acceptance, and accomplishment for women of color, especially Black women. She collects inspiring quotes, eats donuts, and loves pasta. She and I chatted all about the opportunities that were missed to have some difficult but necessary conversations in this episode, why brutal honesty doesn't work, why it's important to have tough conversations even if they're super awkward, And she gives us a beautiful script for anyone who needs to have the what are we conversation. 
If you hear anything that resonates with you while listening, please be sure to share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. <laughs> so we're talking about Issa's growth that has seemingly happened, even though she has not been in therapy. I mean, Molly has been in therapy. Yes, yes. I mean, the way that she was able to uh, to communicate with TSA Bay, like, all right, this position is not working. This position is not working. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that he definitely kept going for a little bit before he heeded what she had to say and switched things up. Good point. But, I mean, aside from that whole consent error, because that is an error in consent, I would be remiss if I didn't say it. One of my clients was talking about it, about just like, how can you keep going if somebody is saying no, that consent is actually a full body yes, mm-hmm. not just a, all right, we can keep going, but a full body, we, I'm in this, you're in this, let's be in this piece together sort of space. But for me, it was more about Issa than anything. She was able to open her mouth and say, you know what? This don't work for me. Can we switch? Nope, this is not working for me either. A couple of seasons ago, she might not have had that conversation. Nah, she'd have kept those feelings to herself. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so let's let's get into the episode and we will just kind of see how it flows, right? Um, so <laughs> I really, there are just so much to unpack. So we have our season premiere, season four premiere of Insecure, which, you know, we all were waiting for, right? And so I feel like the overarching theme for a lot of this episode was really difficult conversations that people either did not have or did not have well. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. The communication was way off. I was just like, ooh, some of the stuff was those difficult conversations, those pieces that needed to happen, but happened kind of awkwardly. But at the same time, I was commending on even having an awkward conversation because I feel like Issa in the past, she would have just avoided whatever she could avoid. She would have done that. That is such a good point, Dr. Oriole, right? Like this idea that conversations aren't always going to be perfect, right? And as much as we script in our own head and think, okay, I'm going <laughs> to say this and they're going to say this and I'm going to say this and they're going to say this. And this right? is how this is going to go. <laughs> right. And of course, it never, <laughs> never actually plays out like that in real life. But an awkward conversation in the interest of getting our feelings heard and being able to put things on the table is still better than no conversation at all. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that oftentimes we don't, we don't necessarily recognize that yeah, just because the conversation is difficult, just because it feels awkward, just because it feels a little off, doesn't mean that we are not still doing our stuff to make sure that we're having the conversation in the first place, wherever the conversation comes out. Because I'm just like, I'm a proponent for have the conversation and see what happens later, mm-hmm. then don't have the conversation at all and shoot it. So what are some things that you think that make it difficult for us to even engage in the conversations? Well, one thing that I have noticed and (laughs) a few of my clients would be able to attest to this is we have so much anxiety about how the other person is going to receive it that instead of saying the thing that we need to say, we say what we think we need to say in order for them to better understand what we are trying to say, which means in reality, we didn't say nothing. And this is where I redirect people. You got to say it with your inner asshole first. (laughs) With your inner asshole first? Yep, say it with your inner (laughs) asshole. Your inner asshole is going to say it exactly the way that it needs to be said. Say Mm -hmm. it. 
So like, and sometimes we're not saying it to the person. Sometimes we were just like, all right, what is the, what is my main thing here? My main thing here is that you're hurtful and harmful and I don't like that stuff. Instead of, well, you know, when you say this, you know, um, and then I was just thinking like, oh, that could be, no, 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 no. Say it with your inner asshole, write it down. What was the thing that you really needed to say? You harm me with your words. That's what you really needed to say. So write that down. Like, you are asshole when you talk to me. Now, flip it. Make it cleaner. Make it something that if someone told it to you, you could hear it. Use your I statements wherever possible. I feel like this when this happens. It gives you an opportunity to say what you actually need to say instead of trying to interpret for your friend how they're going to take what you've got to say. So see, I, I definitely want us to stay here for a moment because I feel like this is what, especially when we look at this episode, right? I think this is kind of what a part of Molly's issue is, right? Like this whole inner asshole, so to speak. Her inner asshole is her outer <laughs> asshole. Right. And and it's so, not speaking from no place, but her own insecurity. So you're advocating, though, maybe getting some of those thoughts out on paper before you actually have the conversation to make sure that it is in its purest form, but that there is still a way to communicate with people that does not necessarily come across abrasive. Exactly. And honestly, saying it with your inner asshole is really about even more than being about having the conversation that needs to be had just like that. It's also about a certain level of self-awareness. Molly lacks Mm -hmm. Mm self-awareness because if she was self-aware, especially toward the end of the episode, talking about some your life is messy. Who does that serve? Mm -hmm. How does that serve? It doesn't. I'm looking like, that's not constructive criticism. That's not constructive feedback. Your life is messy. Yeah, or your life doesn't have to be this messy. I'm just like, and, and where in here did you think this was supposed to be something that was helpful? Right. And I think the other piece of that, that of course was concerning was the timing, right? Like, even if that was a conversation that you felt like you needed to have with Issa, did it need to be this night where she's like on a cloud and she's really proud of herself for, you know, pulling off the mixer and, you know, feeling like, okay, I'm really stepping into this thing. And now you have this conversation with her that completely like dims her light. Yep. That's one of those moments where I'm like, you got to pause, boo-boo. Who does this Mm -hmm. serve? Yeah. Because... Honestly, Molly, it's funny because I listen to Jesus and Jaloff mm-hmm. and uh, they talk, <laughs> uh, who's it, Lovey Ajayi and um, Yvonne. and Yvonne Orji, they both talk about like how Nigerians can be so brutal in their honesty. And I'm just like, you know what? It's true. And it's problematic. As, an, as a fellow Nigerian, I can say that that stuff is problematic. Because brutal honesty doesn't actually serve anybody. Brutal honesty, honestly, it seems to be more about one person's hurt ego, pride, or the need to feel better than somebody else by bringing them down, by telling the truth as harshly as possible. Right. There is a way to be honest with your loved ones and people that you care about that does not have to be brutal. Exactly. Because brutality does not necessarily bring growth. What it does bring is defensiveness. What it can bring is distance. And if those are not the things that you are trying to achieve with the type of conversation that you're having, then I'm going to go out on a limb and say that your brutal honesty is unnecessary Mm -hmm. and probably needs to be more like compassionate honesty, loving honesty, 
friendship-based honesty, and none of those things would be brutal. Right. It seems like it's the perspective Molly had, right? Because she said, you know, like, oh, life doesn't have to be this messy. It feels like you like this kind of thing. And she said, I'm just trying to help you be accountable, right? It's something that they discussed earlier in the episode. And so it feels like in her mind, she is, that is that brutal honesty. Like, I'm going to say this to you, even though it may be hurtful. The truth may be harmful. It can, it can definitely shake somebody up. but. It's also going to be about your timing and about what else is going for you at the time that you decided that someone needs to hear what you got to say. Mm. I'm like, were you feeling a little jealous that Condola was seemingly taking your shine, taking your place as somebody that she said is, was really helpful for her in that moment? Is it because Andrew decided to tell you that he was seeing other people because y'all are just having fun? Is it because Issa told you that, hey, if you like this dude, you should tell him? Yeah, I mean, even going back to the beginning of the mixer, right? Like Molly came into the situation like, okay, yeah, this is going on for you. But can we talk about like my dating issue right now? And so, yes, of course, that conversation. After she was late. (laughs) After she was late. I was like, all the other friends there, I was like, okay, serving drinks over here. And willing to take one for the team. (laughs) (laughs) You got the other one. Whole pregnant self having full on conversations with people trying to get this money. I'm like, you got airport bay, TSA bay outside trying to hype people up before they even get in. I'm looking like, Molly, where were you? Yeah. And even on the way, you know, it feels like she was throwing shade, telling Andrew like, oh, this might be a little homegrown. Homegrown. Yeah, yes. I mean, so it it just feels like you're right. Like, I feel like one of the major issues or the major things that Molly really needs to kind of look at is her self-awareness. Like, it, it just feels like she is very unaware of how she comes across in situations and really just doesn't have insight into herself about, like, the kinds of things that makes her tick and why she then acts out in the ways that she does. Oh, she is wearing the sunglasses of her insecurity. And that is how she sees the world around her. The second that Issa's on a come up does not necessarily need her to bolster her in the same way. She got to smack her down. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, that speaks more to Molly's insecurity than it does to anybody else's. Right, right. Yeah, and so, you know, it, it feels like it's very difficult because I do also think that there are some loving pieces, right? Like, I, I do honestly think that she cares about Issa, but I think her lack of self-awareness makes it difficult for her to realize how she's not really being a friend in this relationship. Ooh, I'm glad you said that. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because I talk about love all the time, right? Um, Sex and relationship stuff. Everybody wants to talk about the love piece. When I find my love or when I'm gonna get this, when I'm gonna get that. But in the end, I'm always like, well, how how well do you love you? How well do you love on yourself? And I'm not one of those people that believes that if you don't love yourself, then you can't find somebody that's going to love you too. Because I do believe that it's a harmful statement. However, if you love yourself at a teaspoon level and you've got friends that love you on a teaspoon level, you will always feel full. But when you upgrade to loving yourself at a tablespoon or a cup, that teaspoon is not doing anything for you you are now going to start noticing where it falls short. Mm. 
And the thing is, we always have the ability to upgrade the level of love that we give ourselves. But part of it is also, how is it yoked with the people around us? Mm -hmm. See, nothing like one thing that has come up consistently enough in therapy, whether it's romantic relationships or friendships or family relationships, when someone loves themselves on a one cup, because they change, they've grown, they, they, they learn more about themselves and they appreciate those things and they love those things deeply and fully. Those relationships where somebody has been loving them on a teaspoon level, it doesn't hit quite the same. And they recognize that that friend, that lover, that family member cannot receive their love the same either. Because when you have a cup of love to give and somebody only has the capacity for a teaspoon, you can only give so much before they're full. Mm-hmm. But that thing works in the reverse. Yeah. So they can't fill you up and you are overflowing into them. And that's what it feels like happened when you saw that look on Issa's face when she felt really cut, I think, by the the statement that Molly said about, you know, you love mess. Um, I think that Mm -hmm. that was her recognizing that her capacity had grown and that something about this felt really off. They were no longer equally yoked. Yeah. I know we only t- people only talk about being equally yoked where it comes to lovers, where it comes to potential lifelong mates. But friendships are also potential lifelong mates. And making sure that we're remembering that even our friendships, we are looking for people that are equally yoked. I think that that is also important to remember. And I'm not saying that everybody is going to be exactly in the same place as you. That's not that's not even necessary. But if your ace boom coon can't love you right, hurts your feelings, acts like Molly, what are you going to do about that? Yeah, and I, I think that leads into another important conversation, right? And we talked about this a little bit on the episode with Dr. Franco, just about the ways that we also need to nurture our friendships like we pour so much into our romantic relationships. And, and I think yeah. we've seen that with Molly, right? Like, When we did see her going to therapy, though she was not being honest, what we did see her talking a lot about was her romantic relationships, right? Like a lot of it was centered around the relationship with Drew and stuff like that. And so, again, her lack of self-awareness, I think, doesn't even allow her to see the way that she operates in her friendships. Yeah, because she operates in a space of secrecy almost and like unstated expectations. Mm-hmm. She knows what she wants in a sense, but then she don't tell nobody, but they're supposed to know what she wants and be on the exact same page as her, even though there's been no communication about where they're, what they're doing, where they're going, how they're supposed to be. So like Molly changed her mind about whether or not she was serious about Andrew. And when Andrew says, yeah, I am dating other people, then it's like, oh, I'm like, well, did you have the conversation? <laughs> right. So this brings us to the next difficult conversation that it feels like there was a missed opportunity, right? And I think that there is a bigger conversation to be had because I know lots of us struggle with this idea of a conversation about what are we, right? So you mm-hmm. see people all the time having real difficulty when they've kind of had this situation or whatever with somebody and now their, you know, feelings have gotten a little stronger. And so then there's all this difficulty around how do I have this conversation? Honestly, the whole thing is just, uh, it's almost so childish. Like no tea, no shade, no lemonade, because I know some of the people out here live their life just like this. 
But if you're not willing to have a conversation with the person that you're interested about the fact that you are interested, that's number one. And then number two, about what your expectations are and ask them what their expectations are, then what are you doing? Because if you live your life like this in one area, I'm inclined to believe that you live your life like that in other areas, which means that the communication got to be off at work. The communication got to be off at family gatherings and functions because you can't even be bothered to let somebody know exactly what's going on for you and with you that you're trying to carry on an intimate relationship with. I'm like... That whole lack of conversation, I'm looking like, you know what? If you don't have orgasms, that's why. You keep your communication to yourself. If you have boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo relationships, then that's why. You keep half the, you keep all your secrets to yourself, but want people to just sort of fill in the blank, but not have no information. Yeah, and it, and it really feels like, especially in this example, it feels like it could have been an easy end. For her to say, you know, now maybe not at the time where they were driving, right? Like that might not have because they were on their way. So they probably wouldn't have had enough time. Mm-hmm. But instead of having the conversation, not only did she not have the conversation, then her attitude got all off, right? So now she's reading she into could. the situation, she's right? Like, yeah, I'm dating people too. Right. Instead of, you know, saying like, okay, clearly my feelings have changed. Obviously, we need to have a conversation about that. Now she's, you know, doing the Molly thing of self-sabotaging, which we've seen her do before. Mm -hmm. You know, so it wasn't even about not just having the conversation. It was also about now the dynamic has shifted and the other person has no idea what's even going going on. on. Yeah. But he's supposed to guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I I was just like, wow, Molly, this was your moment. (laughs) This was your moment to be like, because you're right. It's definitely not necessarily the right time to be having the conversation because they're on their way somewhere. And that means it's a limited conversation. It doesn't have enough time for both parties. Get all the points that come from each other time to breathe. Mm-hmm. to let expectations be known and maybe even to think about it further. But that was a great, that would have been a great opportunity to just begin, to just say, you know what? I actually would like to talk to you more about that. Um, maybe we could talk about it a little bit more after the party because my feelings about that has changed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that um, I, I want to be open. Mm-hmm. So if you're open to having that conversation, can we have it after the party? Right. Look, like, look at that. No funky attitude, expectation about what the conversation is going to entail. And some truth tea about exactly what it is that she's looking for, as opposed to, oh, yeah, I'm dating people, too. Mm -hmm. Right, because it looks like it looked like she was surprised by her own feelings of even hearing him say that he was seeing other people. Right. So I think up until that point she may have kind of been playing into it like oh this is not that serious you know we're having mm-hmm. fun and then when she recognized like okay there may be other people in the picture then she realizes like oh I might be a little more attached than I thought which is fair like that's okay but yeah. again if there had been enough time before she reacted she could have you know leaned into those feelings to think about like okay what is coming up for me here am I really wanting to be more serious with him or am I just feeling threatened about the idea of other people like what's happening and then had a conversation with him. But now she has reacted. That part. Yeah, now she Yeah, now she's thrown her whole butt. <laughs> <laughs> Started avoiding him at this function that she invited him to. Then ditched him at the end. Right. Like, 
I know that somebody somewhere is going to be like, no, she was just trying to help Issa clean up. No, she was using Issa as an excuse not to talk to him. Good point. Very good point. And then I just, you know, like, oh, I don't need to think I'm going to talk to him anymore. I'm like, wow. So yeah, we got all the way no there. explanation as to what happened here? Yeah, but I think that's also a good example of her, um, like we talked about, this, the lack of self-awareness that mm-hmm. she wasn't even aware how, like, her stuff with Andrew then was impacting her stuff with Issa and vice versa, right? So she has all of these feelings involved related to the both of them. And it's just kind of combusted and she is not even aware that things have kind of gone down the way they have. And you know what? She's one of the prime people that would be like, oh, I'm unbothered. I'm like, baby, you are bothered. (laughs) Well, she even said that, right? She even said when she told Issa that she was no longer talking to Andrew, she said, I'm no longer entertaining things that don't serve me. And I want to spend some time here because I feel like this is something that a lot of people say, right? Like, And there is some truth to this, right? Like you do want to be, again, self-aware enough to know when things are like in your life in a way that is no longer good for you. But I think that has to come after there have been some tough conversations sometimes when you've really been honest with yourself and other people in your life. What she was doing, it feels like, was just cutting him off. Yep. That was uh, avoidance at the highest, highest level. Yeah. And... I hear that stuff all the time. Oh, I'm just, I'm not entertaining that type of thing anymore. I'm not doing things that don't serve me. I'm like, you sound so cute. (laughs) You do? I just feel like, you know what? That sounds so cute. It sounds great in theory, except what I'm really hearing you say is that you want to avoid having the conversation altogether and just want to go somebody or just not engage in a conversation that may be too difficult for you. So instead you get to say something cavalier like, I'm not doing things that don't serve me anymore without ever having to open up your mouth and talk about what the issue has been, what you would like to see happen and give the person a a moment to even try to respond. Mm -hmm. But instead, you know, we leave, we good. We're not having that conversation. And I think it's funny because, you know, last season when dude ghosted Issa, everybody was up in their feelings like, yo, he's just going to disappear. None of us have ever called Molly out on doing the same thing. Mm, very good point so what do you think the difference is there we like molly (laughs) (laughs) she has been around longer right like nathan just breezed in in season three and we hadn't gotten necessarily very attached to him but i also think we showed up through him out when it was time (laughs) yeah we was like oh no you can't come flying back in here but i do think the presentation is also a little different right you know it, it really seems like there had been so much buildup between Nathan and Issa, then it felt very like, whoo, where did that come from? That he just kind of fell off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the presentation did feel a little different, but you're right. In, in action, they are basically both doing the same thing. They're ghosters. Yeah. yeah. And I think that sometimes we can relate to the one that we know. Mm. right so we get more of molly we've seen more of molly so it doesn't feel like ghosting when molly does it Mm -hmm. it feels like yep that's the same thing i do and i'm like yep that's a problem Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we're ghosting people because we don't want to have difficult conversations we're saying that the thing doesn't serve me and then refusing to have a conversation about the thing that doesn't serve us we're not ready to do that work to put in the labor that we want someone to put in with us and I'm like, well, we can't, we can't do things halfway like that. We make excuses for us, but we'll never 
allow people to bring forward their own concerns and their own history and how they interact with us. We only let ourselves have our history and everyone else's history be damned. So is there a line, Dr. Oriol, about when it's okay to have a conversation about things and when maybe a conversation really isn't necessary? I think yes and no. It's it's odd. I'm a person that more times than not, I believe that a conversation is probably going to be warranted. But if there was a line, I would say, are you bothered? That's the line. How are you feeling about how this thing went down? Is this a person that is in your life and has been in your life for a while and is something that continually comes up versus is this a person that, is this the guy at Jiffy Lube and you're only going to be talking to him for the next five minutes? <laughs> Good point. Good point. I so think like, the- I guess the, the level of the relationship your investment in the thing and how much you're like, are you willing to continue to deal with the same thing time after time after time? Or is this something that I can no longer continue to condone this sort of behavior in you toward me? I think the line also happens at abuse, right? You know, so if somebody has been physically or emotionally abusive for you, that is not necessarily a time where we're talking about having a conversation because that is very clear that that is like a line in the sand. So you are not necessarily going to them and saying like, hey, can we talk about this thing? Because we know how the cycle of abuse works, right? Um, So we're definitely not advocating for that. We're talking about things that maybe can be changed, right? Things that, you know, like like we see with Molly and Andrew, like, okay, can you give him an opportunity to say, okay, I'm interested in you and I'd like to see how this plays out exclusively. Yeah, everything yeah. doesn't necessarily need that conversation. Right. Um, although I do also recognize that for some people, you know, when we talk about the wheel of power and control and what actually entails abuse, a lot of people don't recognize that they have been abusive as well as they have been abused. Mm. So talking mm-hmm. about the financial ways that it comes off, the gaslighting that people go through, the minimizing, as well as the emotional and mental and even physical components. So a lot of us are not necessarily recognizing that some of the behaviors that we have engaged in are abusive, especially since sometimes TV will have us believing that those are romantic gestures. Good points. Very good points. I think the other thing about having difficult conversations is that we can't necessarily be super invested in like the outcome of the conversation because the conversation is more about you just making your feelings known and heard, right? The not, journey, not but, the destination. Yes, yes, yes. So like going back to your earlier comment about, you know, a lot of times we avoid these conversations because we're so anxious about how the other person is going to respond that we don't even have the conversation. But really trying to bring some of that anxiety down by saying, no, I deserve to have my thoughts and feelings heard and validated. And that's why I'm engaging in the conversation. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, for some of my clients, I'll have them think about like, what is the worst case scenario if you have this conversation? The worst case scenario is that maybe this person stopped talking to you, but you are already there at a place where you don't want to talk to them. Okay, what's the best case scenario? The best case is that they listen to you. Mm-hmm. That they hear you, that they apologize for their wrongdoings and actually make strides to change. Is the best case scenario worth the possibility of the worst case scenario when you already got one foot out of that door? Mm-hmm. Like do a little cause benefit analysis. Determine 
is it even worth it for you to do this thing? And I think that most people find that for the relationships that they're really thinking about, it actually is worth having that conversation because they do want to continue quite desperately. Mm -hmm. They just don't know how to have the conversation. Right. And I think going back to the conversation around what are we, right? Like when you're in a, a romantic relationship, I think sometimes we are so afraid that if we introduce the conversation, it will like run the other person away. And so we often avoid difficult conversations because we think that's going to make the relationship fractured in some way when a lot of times it it actually brings the relationship closer. Yep. And on top of that, I'm like half the people I know are trying to be on their Beyonce in some way, shape or form. I'm looking like have that conversation because they could be the best thing you never had. We you, can waste, you can waste a whole year being in somebody's situation shit, or you can have the conversation with them. What are we? What are we doing? These are the things that I'm looking for within the context of a relationship. And it seems like this is where we're going, but I'm not sure. So I wanted to check in with you about what we're doing. Yes. That way you don't waste a year. I don't yeah. like wasting a couple months versus wasting a whole year. You know, that's just a little bit different. Yeah, it's a big difference. And you're right. And I love the way that you just phrased that, right? Because I think the other thing that happens is that we get really in our heads about how we're going to say it. And you just gave us a beautiful example, like, hey, I just want to check in, right? So it's no pressure. I'm just checking in with you. So I know how I feel. I'm checking in on what are your thoughts. And then that allows you to make a decision about whether this is something you want to continue with or whether you don't. Exactly. And sometimes it's just like, oh, I didn't know that you were dating other people. Thank you for letting me know. Mm-hmm. It, well, do you want to do you want to be exclusive with me or like what's what are you thinking about that? Because I was thinking that I I, I do kind of like you, so I would I would love to explore what we've got going. But if you're also going to continue to date, then I just want to make sure that we're clear that I'm also going to do the same until mm-hmm. we both get into a place where we feel that we can be exclusive. Right, and it's okay to say that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be seen as like an ultimatum, right? Again, it is really just a checking in to see where this other person is. Yeah, I'm like an ultimatum is that stuff where it's like you have a choice. You can do this or you can do that. But I'm not saying ultimatum. I'm saying what are your choices for you? What are the things that will make you feel okay and comfortable? You get to choose for you mm-hmm. and inform that person about what your choice is going to be and then move in that energy you have to move in a way that does serve you but you can't be like oh well I'm gonna do me or I'm not entertaining things that don't serve me with no communication (laughs) right those are not the same thing (laughs) no not at all the other difficult conversation that I feel like um was very very awkward was this whole situation between Issa Condola and Lawrence so now Issa finds out that Condola's actually dating her ex um, and in the most awkward situation that that could be found out, right? Like Tiffany comes into the office and she's like, oh yeah, we met at the baby shower too. <laughs> right? It's like, Tiffany, why'd you say nothing? So, I, it feels like there has been some conversation online about whether Tiffany actually knew. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say she did think that it was only like the one date that never turned into anything. that she didn't actually know right like I would hope that she's not like withholding this information from Issa in that kind of way we will stay tuned to see if we are correct about that 
So when Issa finds out, of course, she's like, oh, no, it's not a big deal kind of thing, right? Which is, it feels like typical Issa. But as the episode continues and we see them kind of, again, have these awkward interactions at the mixer, it does feel like she does. Painfully awkward. So awkward. I mean, we are definitely giving back to our awkward Black girl days here, right? You know, so they have these awkward interactions at the mixer, but it does feel like she gets to a place where she is genuinely feeling like, okay, you know, this person has been incredibly helpful to me. We really enjoy each other's company. Maybe I can be okay with this. So what are your thoughts about, like, could that conversation have gone differently? How do you handle a very awkward situation like this? Probably just like he did. (laughs) (laughs) Like, honestly, I wasn't that mad at how she handled it in that moment. Uh And I wasn't because I know that it came as a surprise. She She was clearly still processing the information and at the same time trying to inject some level of humor to sort of bring down that tension. So I could appreciate those those efforts that Issa put in toward it. But I'm also happy that she got to a place, I felt like she took a step back and thought about for herself, mm-hmm. is this something that I can deal with? And how am I going to make this work as opposed to I've got to make this thing work because uh-huh. she helps me so much. I think it came full circle to a, I can make this thing work because I'm going to miss her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if I don't. Right. Right. And I think that for me, that I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> you are impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, you know, it's okay for things to be awkward, right? And while we're figuring it out, but that you stay in it. I think that's what we saw illustrated here really nicely was that they both stayed in it and figured it out. Like even Condola took some time with Lawrence, right? Like, hey, I was surprised by this situation. I feel like I need a rain check to kind of see how I'm feeling about this. Is this something I want to continue Yo, with? Condola is a model citizen. <laughs> a for effort, Condola. A for effort. I was just like, go ahead. <laughs> like you went there. You had the conversation. You wanted to make sure that he knew that you know that this, this, is, this is the thing. This is the situation. I'm feeling awkward about it. I didn't know that. I mean, five years. Woo. Right. True. So, well, I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> I right. got the thing. I'm gonna come back myself. That she took that time to be like, yeah. you know what? I need, I need some space. Mm-hmm. I need some space to think. For some folk, they just be like, they take the space, but they don't say anything. You ghosted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other person has no idea what is going on. But Lawrence is not in the dark. He knows. Yeah. He's like, okay, I recognize that this thing may be difficult because you are becoming very close friends with someone that I was with five years right so I think that this will be interesting as we continue throughout the season so we didn't mention this in the beginning but the episode actually opens with like a flash forward right so this mm-hmm. is four months past, no yes four months past the block party and then we hear Issa on the phone saying like she doesn't mess with Molly anymore and then there's a flashback to four months ago when the, the block party was still being planned so we know that likely we will end up somewhere in the season where there has been a serious rupture in the relationship between Molly and Issa. I'm like, how much more serious does it have to get? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, but wondering, I am wondering what is the straw that breaks the, the camel's back? Right, what is going to be the thing? I mean, because it seems like you know, in in terms of looking at like the little sneak peek they gave us for like the next episode, um, it doesn't seem like just that conversation at the mixer is what does it. 
Um, we see there's a little tension between her when Condola is at the table with, with Issa. Um, and she's like, oh, I thought it was just going to be us. Um, so I'm curious to know also, like, if, is there going to be like an, a singular event that makes Issa realize like, okay, this is just not cool anymore. I was like, you can do math on from season one. I'm like, take, <laughs> take it back, take it back, add it up. Yeah, you, it does <laughs> like, feel like there have been lots of, you know, situations kind of growing that got us to this place. Um, and so I guess we will see uh, as the season continues, you know, what is the thing that kind of pushes it over the edge? Yes, I am definitely excited to see what that is. Any other predictions for season four? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> honestly I, i'm just in a state of just glued just wanting to know exactly how do these things go down how do the things come to pass what is it that for like especially from isa like what happens for isa that she can no longer take what she has as far as i can tell already been taken mm-hmm. from molly Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely excited to see how this plays out. And I'm also hoping that the ease with which the multitude of people on Black Twitter were able to say that Molly is an issue or has an issue, that they were able to talk about how she just needs somebody to be in a one down position. I'm hoping that they recognize that they have Mollies in their lives and that for some of them, they are the Molly in other people's lives. Ooh. But you know, you're not ready for that level of <laughs> Well, you have brought this all full circle, right? This is an invitation for us to all look a little deeper. Like, you know, if we look at the numbers, everybody is not an ether. So no. there are very likely at some points in our lives, we may have been Molly, right? And so even if you're not necessarily still in that place, um, at some point you could have been, right? And there's no harm in thinking about okay, yes, I was in that position and now this is the work that I've done to not be in that position, to be uh, And this is the work that person. I still have to do. Right, to right. It's never friend. ending. Yeah, it's never ending. So Especially we, recognizing that we can be a strong friend to some friends and be less of a strong friend to other friends. Yes. Recognizing that, like, yeah, you could be the cheerleader Issa and Condola over here, but be more of a Molly over there. Mm. And recognizing, well, what's the difference here? Yes. Yeah. And different dynamics with different people. Of course, we are different in in certain relationships. So, I mean, this is the stuff that we love, right? Like the, the fascinating ways, of course, which these characters and we are only seeing them as characters, right? We don't have a, a full scope of, of people's lives. But I do think it gives us an opportunity to think about our own behavior and like the, the relationships we have with other people in our lives and, and assessing are these things that are okay for us or are they are there ways that we need to improve? Yeah. And honestly, yeah. I feel like everybody has space where they can grow and improve. Of course, of course. I mean, my partner and I, we are constantly having conversation about what we feel we got from one another and what else we need from each other. Because as you go through life, the dynamics are always going to change. Mm-hmm. Is it simply because life is right? I mean, I, we are getting a real taste of that right now, right? Like, we're all, you know, <laughs> a lot of us are sheltering at home, you know, in confined spaces with people for hours, you know, that we wouldn't necessarily be right. And so, I think that this is giving us an opportunity to renegotiate okay, what does this relationship look like, and does it need to look differently right now? Exactly, yeah. So, 
Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to offer them something that's free. Oh, while it's still free. free. We love free. <laughs> For some of my clients, you know, this was, like I said, this is a constant, consistent conversation. Mm-hmm. This piece about communication and the relationship that they have with family, friends, lovers. Mm-hmm. So because of them, I created a relationship goals guide. Ooh. It is free. It is available through my Instagram. It is one of the links in there and it says hashtag relationship goals guide. It lets you know that it is free. Okay. So just don't get you that. (laughs) And I'll see if I can have my assistant make it PDF fillable so that it's not something that you have to print since I know we own a budget. Very good point. Very good point. So tell us where we can find you, Dr. Oreo. I know that people will want to live tweet with you next Sunday as we continue to watch the season. So tell us where we can find you on social. On Instagram, you can find me at Anod Wright. That's my first name backward. A-N-N-O-D-R-I-G-H-T. On Twitter, at Dr. Donna Oreo. No, I'm not going to tell you nowhere else. That's enough. that's enough and of course we will include all of that in the show notes and your website what's your website anodwrite.com and if you're wanting to talk about colorism and textures and stuff thecbhg.com so cocoabutterandhairgrease.com yes that is her amazing workbook and full line of products at this point we have surpassed just the workbook all about colorism and texturism so if y'all miss dr oreo on her previous episode you definitely want to go back and listen to that we'll include that in the show notes as well so you don't miss her other appearance where she gave us lots of great information there as well well thank you so much for joining me again i really appreciate it we will be tuning in all season (laughs) this is fun always Like, honestly, I finished that episode and my mouth just opened. I was just like, what? (laughs) Right. What happened here? We got to talk about it. I was like, wow, Smalley's gross. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm so glad Dr. Oriola was able to join us again this week. Don't forget to check out the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 51 to grab your copy of her Relationship Goals Worksheet or to grab your copy of Cocoa Butter and Hair Grease. And please be sure to share your takeaways with us on social media using the hashtag TBGInSession. And share this episode with the other Insecure fans in your life. If you're looking for a virtual therapist, be sure to check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic and meet some other sisters in your area, Come on over and join us in the Yellow Couch Collective, where we take a deeper dive into the topics from the podcast and just about everything else. You can join us at therapyforblackgirls.com slash YCC. Don't forget to show our sponsors some love by going to helixsleep.com slash therapyforblackgirls to get up to $200 off your mattress orders and two free pillows. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.